Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Include our SEC team previews. We head to Norman, Oklahoma for a future SEC member as we get an outlook on the Oklahoma Sooners heading into 2023 football season. And who better to help us break it all down than Eddie Radosevich of Sooner Scoop? 
Eddie.com. Eddie, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Chris. Uh, doing well. It's uh, looking forward to the SEC move and everything that comes with it. Uh, obviously, uh, this is it, it's going to kind of become a broken record around here in Norman just as far as entering the second year of Brent Venables and trying to build some momentum before they make the move into the SEC. Obviously, six and seven is uh, left a little bit of a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth from last season. So uh, not a lot of people knowing how to uh, to handle uh, the, the way that they were losing games a year ago. And, you know, I, I think that this 2023 season is pretty pivotal for Brent Venables and company going into uh, what is going to be a massive uh, kind of sport shifting move, if you will. Yeah, Eddie, before we look ahead to this season, obviously year two of Brent Venables, let's look back at 2022 year one. And like you mentioned, I mean, to call it up and down, I don't think is really doing it justice. I would say probably one of the worst Oklahoma seasons since the turn of the decade, the century, yeah. what have you, if you will, six sure. and seven overall, three and six in Big 12 play. You close it out, losing the cheese it Bowl to Florida State. And the one that really stands out as the eyesore, a 49 to nothing loss to the Texas Longhorns and the Red River Shootout. Just talk about the 2022 season. Obviously, year one of a new coach. You never know. But, I mean, what went wrong for Oklahoma? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean – you look at their schedule and, uh, you know, we've been going, I've been going through, I do all the video for Sooner Scoop. So I've been going through every game and having to log every play. And you get into that back end of the schedule where they lose four of their last five games on literally the final possession of the game outside of the tech game, which tech ties it up on the final possession and they lose in overtime. Uh, it was just a comedy of errors. It was, uh, it was, you know, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. If it wasn't getting off the field on third down, it was an offense in Morgantown that wasn't able to move the ball in the second half. Uh, there were some uh, some miscalculations as far as the way that they uh, just in-game management, stuff like that, which, you know, I think a lot of people would have been OK. They would have accepted that had it not been everything else. That was kind of just the cherry on top to what was kind of an FC, an S season for Oklahoma. And. Uh, you know, I, there was a lot of things, especially in that 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 final stretch of games where they lose four of five uh, that you just can't do. They, they weren't good in the penalty aspect of games, turnovers, tackling, uh, just kind of elementary things that added up and, and stuff that, you know, I think the Oklahoma fan would tell you in 17, 18, 19 under Lincoln Riley, when they had historically great offenses, you were able to get away with you were able to get away with. Uh, not getting off the field in third down because Baker or Kyler or Jalen Hurst was going to go down and they were going to get a touchdown just to answer. So uh, it was a frustrating season. I think that if you look at what Oklahoma brings back combined with uh, some of the guys that have gone out and gotten into the transfer portal, uh, there's reason to think that Oklahoma should get back to what I think everybody around here expects. And that's nine and a half, 10 wins a season. And uh, so it was, it was, you know, kind of uncharted territory, even the way that we covered the team, just because uh, the fan base was so fired up when everything went down with Lincoln two years ago or a year and a half ago uh, to get Brent, there was like a rejuvenation of the program. And then on the field, it just didn't add up to the excitement that the fan base had. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we're probably still a year and a half, two years probably away from having those really uncomfortable conversations because there are so many people that want to see Brent succeed and still believe that he's going to find success. It's just kind of that middle ground right now where you have that one season left in the Big 12 before you uh, you make that move, and I think everybody kind of knows what comes with that. 
And Eddie, you mentioned, of course, Brent Venables. Let's talk about him really quickly going in his second season. Just how much pressure is there? And like you mentioned, there was so much excitement when he took the job. And I feel like forever, obviously, us being his Gamecocks, we're very familiar with what he did at Clemson. He was one of the hottest assistants in all of college football for for years, right? We were all wondering, when's he going to take a head coaching job? When's he going to take one? And then Oklahoma happens, and it was the job he couldn't refuse. So there's tons of excitement, tons of buzz. And then year one takes place. And as you mentioned, we're not trying to have the uncomfortable conversation. Sure. But nobody can defeat bad play, losing games, right? Everybody has an expiration date when that type of stuff is happening. So my question, Eddie, is this. What is the mood around Brent Venables going into his second year? I think there's a lot of hope. I think that there's a lot of hope just in terms of you do have the terrible season that they had on the field. With that said, they were able to keep together a top five recruiting class. And I think that, you know, there is a belief in what they're trying to sell. There's a belief in the program. There's also a belief on the other side of things. And I think that you have to be in the Oklahoma circle to really, truly get it, that there were some deficiencies within the program that Lincoln left. And the reason they had won, uh, you know, obviously because you had two Heisman Trophy winners, you had Jalen Hurts come in from Alabama. They were able to get away with a lot of things because they were, very, very good, historically great offenses. And I think that people, uh, you know, especially around here, uh, probably just became accustomed to it. Uh, you know, I think last year you look at Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy, what they were able to do in their first season in Norman. And, uh, you know, it's not to what Oklahoma fans expected, but at the same time, they had a top 25 offense. I mean, what can you really, truly be angry about? So, uh, you know, I think that there is hope that Brent's going to be able to turn this around. I think there's a belief that they're going to they're going to play better defensively. They're going to get out of the triple digits, which has ailed them for the last five, six years. So uh, if they can get over that hump, they've been able to go get some guys in the transfer portal. There's a belief that even the guys that they have coming back, Danny Stutzman starting in the middle, uh, kind of is the basis of what they want to be defensively. He had he played really well towards the end of the season, maybe his best game in the, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State. So, uh, you know, there's pieces in place. They got to go win the games, though. Uh, nothing that Brent can do at all these booster events or, uh, you know, in the recruiting world. Uh, he's a dynamic speaker. If you hear him talk, you can see why he's such a good recruiter. Uh, nobody's going to give a damn about all that if they don't go win nine, ten games this next season. And, you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's a tough ask uh, to coach at Oklahoma just because the fan base is so rabid. They are so passionate. But at the same time. Uh, you know, I think Brent would be the first one to tell you that's that's why he took the job is because of that type of passion. So uh, it, it's a, it's a really interesting year going into 2023 because of the way that they're coming off of that six and seven season. And with everything in mind going into 24, 23 is just a massive, massive year for this football program. Yes, Eddie, let's talk about it. The 2023 Sooners will start on the offensive side. Like you mentioned, Dylan Gabriel returns as your starting quarterback after you know, I say an up and down year one in Norman. I think folks want to see him take the next step, but he was solid for sure, especially yeah. when you look at the numbers. You do have big questions at wide receiver after the departure of Marvin Mims, who was a thousand yard guy for you. Jaleel yep. Farouk, Drake Stoops looked to be kind of the go to guy. Can they fill in that void? Hey, Austin Stogner comes back to Oklahoma after spending one single season at South Carolina. So he fills the role nicely at tight end. You got Javante Barnes. Uh, Gavin Salchuk looking to fill the void to Eric Gray at the running back position. And then big questions up front, two of five offensive line starters return, replacing both starting tackles as well, which we all know the importance of those guys on the outside of your offensive line. So just talk about the Oklahoma offense going into the season. Like you mentioned, I mean, the brand of OU 
has been great offense under Venables. Do you see that shifting to where they want to be more of a defensive football team? Or do you feel like, you know, scoring 40, 50 points a game is just kind of bred into the, or kind of, you know, sewn into the fabric of Oklahoma football, if you will? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, here we go again, talking about an offense that uh, still put up a lot of points last year. They, they moved the football. Uh, you know, Jeff Levy in his first year as offensive coordinator. Uh, it, it's it's super interesting as far as what they're going to have to do at tackle. They got Walter Rouse out of the transfer portal coming in from Stanford with a lot of uh, veteran leadership, uh, just seeing him out there at Brent Venables football camps and stuff like that. It, it's a very seamless transition as far as uh, leadership goes on the offensive line. And then obviously having to replace Anton Harrison at, uh, at, at tackle, the other tackle is uh, going to be super interesting. But they feel like Tyler Guyton's a guy that, uh, you know, he could be the next big name as far as Oklahoma offensive linemen go. And, uh, you know, Bill was able to get over the uh, that that hump a year ago, getting Anton Harrison taken in the first round, believe it or not. That was Bill Biedenbaugh's first, uh, first rounder. And Oklahoma's had a great track record here over the last couple of years. Creed Humphrey makes the move last year, stepping in uh, for the Chiefs at center. So, uh, you know, it starts up front. I, I, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, anything new to anybody. Uh, especially when you make when you're talking about making the move into the SEC and the defensive lines that you're going to be facing, you have to be really, really good up front. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know, he's he's not Kyler, he's not Baker, he's not Jalen Hurts, but he is a serviceable quarterback that I think a lot of people feel like can go win a Big 12 championship. I don't know if he's a guy that can go win a college football playoff. Uh, you know, Baker, Kyler, Jalen, those, those guys never won a college football playoff either. So uh, it's going to be, I, I, they're going to be better offensively. You do have question marks at the wide receiver position. Replacing Marvin Mims isn't going to be the easiest task in the entire world. But I think that there is a belief that Jaleel Farouk can step into that role. There was a lot of people happy with Andrell Anthony, who's transferring in from Michigan uh, from a, from a, during the spring. And then, you know, there's, there's just a bunch of guys that Gavin Freeman, a Drake Stoops, uh, guys, Jaquez Petaway coming in as a true freshman that they're going to have to play. They're going to have to produce for Oklahoma. LV Bunkley Shelton is another guy. Uh, that transferred in a year ago from Arizona State and really didn't see the field a whole lot a year ago. Uh, then you have uh, Jaden Gibson, who was a true freshman a year ago, as well as Nick Anderson, whose older brother Rodney Anderson starred for Oklahoma uh, with those really good offenses in 17-18. So uh, they feel like they're going to be good. I think there's a belief that, uh, you know, Jeff Levy, he's going to kind of be in that next in line as far as he's going to get a head coaching job at some point. He knows how to play the game. I, I'm, I'm super excited to see what they're able to do in his second season. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they got to find a way to maybe slow things down a little bit offensively. As as fast as they tried to go a year ago, I think it put the defense in bad spots, which, you know, in turn ended up losing up some games, whether it be in Morgantown. they they When things were going good and things were rolling, they looked really, really good. And, you know, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck at the running back position, uh, they should be. It's it's kind of exciting. I you know there's a lot of people that loved what Eric Gray gave to Oklahoma a year ago, but at the same time, I think that there's even more uh, people excited about what Barnes is going to bring in his second season in Norman, as well as Sawchuk, who people saw at the very end of the season, an extremely fast, you know, world class track athlete type kid out of uh, Colorado. So uh, it starts up front, though. You got to give uh, Dylan Gabriel time, and you know it, it's going to be super interesting here moving forward once camp begins. There's a lot of people already in Jackson Arnold's camp, the five-star elite 11, Mr. Everything from Denton Geyer that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a tricky little uh, dance that they're going to have to do uh, because, you know, obviously the future is at the quarterback position is going to be with Jackson Arnold. He's going to be the guy that takes them into the SEC. 
But to win right now, to, to have the success that they want to have on the field, I think that there, there's only so much that you can make up in between a guy that's uh, going into you know year five and year three or four working with Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel and then Jackson Arnold, who's only been on campus for a few months. Now, Eddie, as you and I both know, the offense wasn't the problem last year. It was the defense. Yeah. And yeah. the numbers, when I was going through this and, and getting ready for our conversation, it's they shocking. were shocking. They were shocking. <laughs> because when a guy like Venables takes over, you think, okay, we know we're going to be good on defense. And maybe it's unfair to put yeah. you know crazy expectations on a guy year one, but nobody saw 121st in the country coming for the Oklahoma defense. Yeah. Uh, the transfer portal, big, big, big for the defense this year. Six players depart, but you add guys up front like Rondell ba uh, Botheroyd, I think is how you say his name, from Wake yep. Forest. Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame. Davin Sears from Texas State. Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. Also, you get Big 12 leading tackler Danny Stutzman back. You add Indiana transfer freshman All-American Deshaun McCullough, both those guys are at the linebacker position. McCullough actually stepping into Brent Venable's cheetah position on his defense. Seven players exit the portal from the secondary, but it is a strength led by Woody Washington, a three-year starter, Billy Bowman, and Key Lawrence, a Texas Tech transfer. And like you mentioned, Brent Venables is a guy that – a drop-the-mic type of person, right? He's very loud, boisterous, you know, makes his point. He said this about the defense, quote, I expect us to be on another planet – defensively so yeah will the Sooners be on another planet what are you expecting from Oklahoma this year they will be having those uncomfortable uh conversations a lot earlier than expected if they don't <laughs> if they don't get out of the triple digits I mean there were times and I think it's been well documented as as bad as as great as they were offensively and as bad as they were in 18 and 19 and able to get away with it uh they were worse at times statistically they were worse on the field and there were some growing pains going, you know, instilling what Brent wants to be able to do defensively. I think that there's a lot of people around Norman that kind of fall back on this idea, though, that uh, the the track record for these guys, whether it be a Brent Venables, whether it be a Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, who uh, they're super excited about working with the DNs, uh, you know, Jay Valai, who's had a good track record developing guys at the cornerback position. Brandon Hall has experience as a defense coordinator. Uh, it, there are a lot, there's a lot of reasons to think that they are going to be better at the end of the day. They should be better. They got to get better up front defensively. Everybody I think in the country is looking for the star, you know, five-star, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, everybody's chasing Georgia and Alabama. I get it. Uh, but at we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At the same time, I mean, fundamentally, they were awful at times a year ago. And there were moments, and I think that was the most frustrating part for, for Oklahoma fans, is there were moments where you go, okay, I, I see this. I see this kind of coming together. Danny Sutsman's flying all over the field. Uh, you know, he, he caught a lot of hell from the fan base uh, throughout the year. And then all of a sudden you look up at the end of the year and he led the big 12 in tackles. So uh, there's a belief that they're going to turn the corner. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody's saying that they need to be a top 15 defense, uh, but you have to get out of this rut that they've been in defensively. And uh, you know, I, I, it's almost kind of a hope and it's almost kind of belief right now that Brent Venables is too good of a defensive football coach to not have that group at least taking steps in the right direction. And uh, you know, Gentry Williams is a guy that is expected to start at cornerback, kind of fills in the role where C.J. Colden uh, leaves a year ago, maybe starting opposite of Woody Washington. They love him. They love the guy around here. Just looking at him physically, he's a guy that uh, Oklahoma hasn't had that physical kind of looking body in a while at the cornerback position. And then they got to develop guys at the, at the linebacker position, which, you know, I, I think that there's a complete trust in Ted Roof and, and Brent Venables to be able to get that position moving in the right direction. And it, it seems like Danny Stutzman and Kobe McKenzie, um, you know, the kid from Ferris State, I think they feel like is going to play quite a bit at the middle linebacker position, believe it or not. Uh, Jaron Kanick, Desan McCulloch, as you said, is going to step into that cheetah role. So they have a lot more bodies than they had a year ago. Um, maybe not up front that you would hope to go compete in the college football playoffs of the world, but they have a good group that they feel like is moving in the right direction. Adding somebody like Rondell Bothroyd is, we talk about this on the radio show all the time. It's like, he doesn't need to be a first team, all big 12 guy, but if he can be a second team guy and and be somebody that, that makes a difference up front, that's going to be a whole hell of a lot better than what they've been getting at that position. And, uh, you know, Todd Bates had his track record of getting guys and moving them on into the league. Uh, you know, it just needs to kind of come together. And I think that there's a belief that it is going to to come together. And you add in a Peyton Bone even at safety, who they were able to wrangle from Notre Dame and Oregon, uh, kind of the weird recruiting story at the end of the cycle last year. So they have a lot of talent. They've continued to go, uh, to gather talent. And, uh, you know, it was very obvious when they went into the portal this spring and you listed off the guys that they added up front. They had to go get guys with experience that can come in and contribute from day one. And it seems like they got that with Trace Ford. It's going to be interesting. He's a local kid out of Edmond, uh, you know, about 15 minutes up the road from downtown Oklahoma City. And um, he just got has to stay healthy when he's on the field. When he was playing at Oklahoma State, he was a very, very good player. He just has to find a way to stay healthy and on the field. Yeah, Eddie, I feel like I should have started that conversation asking you, can the defense be worse in 2023? Because there's not a oh, whole God. lot of places to go from 121st, I mean, right? I mean, it's... Personally, I hope so, because <laughs> I don't know if I'll make it through the season uh, from the fan base and uh, the, the, the vitriol that will come if they don't. Right. So moving to special teams, just real quick, you pick up Central Michigan transfer Luke Elzinga, who was an all-MAC conference yeah. former. Uh, Zach Schmidt returns as your kicker. Farouk and Bunkley Shelton, like you mentioned earlier, they look to be dynamic in the return game. So anything stand out for Oklahoma when it comes to special teams? 
you know, they were solid a year ago. And obviously, uh, Michael Turk was their punter. Uh, you know, he's a world-class punter. He got picked up by the Miami Dolphins. I think he's going to spend a long, t- a long time, a long career in the uh, the NFL. But, uh, you know, Zach Schmidt, he, he's worked his way into that starting role. He had an up-and-down season. I think in some of the closer games, he missed kicks that you go back and you look at and you go, well, they, they might have not gone to overtime if they're up by three. But who knows? I mean, the way that the defense played, Tech might have scored a, a touchdown rather than just settling for a field goal in the waiting seconds down in Lubbock. So uh, he's been solid. He's been solid, and I think that they feel pretty good about that. Gavin Marshall is another guy that uh, will probably push Zach Schmidt a little bit at the kicking position. Jay Nunez has done a really good job uh, kind of overseeing that as a special teams, uh, I, I guess, coordinator is how you would you would explain it. But they were solid a year ago. And, uh, you know, Peyton Bowen's another guy that he was dynamic in the return game for Denton Geyer as a senior last year. You figure that he's going to get into that mix somehow, some way this 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 next year. And Gavin Freeman's another guy that is extremely fast. So you just don't, it's it's kind of like everybody else though. It's like you just don't see guys pop big kickoff returns anymore. And obviously because of the kickers are so good and, and take the fair catch and all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's almost kind of one of those things that special teams isn't a problem until it's a massive problem and you're losing games because <laughs> of it. So uh, I guess it's kind of one of those like. Uh, don't ask, don't tell type of situation. You just don't want it to become a problem before it is. You know, Eddie's a South Carolina guy, Beamer Ball. I had to ask about special teams, man. Love it. Just, it. At, Love this, it. at this Love point, we we have fully embraced special teams on this Absolutely. side. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, overall outlook for Oklahoma, 12 starters are back, five on offense, seven on defense. Side note, Eddie, a lot of teams are utilizing the portal. I don't know where Oklahoma exactly ranks, but I just, I feel like looking at this breakdown, I was like, how, it felt like, They've completely flipped the roster through the transfer portal. You, you want to speak on that? for? I mean, I feel like Venable yeah. definitely, he is embracing the portal, embracing NIL. Again, I don't know exactly what the numbers say. They're, not, they're certainly yeah. not doing like what Colorado's doing, but sure. it's sure. very evident that Brent Venable said, year one wasn't good enough. We got to hit the portal, find some playmakers, guys who can help us win, to your point, right now. Which is really interesting, too, because I think that like when Brent took the job and they had the press conferences and you're kind of getting a feel out for how things are going to go and he's putting together a staff and all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of people that were wondering, is he going to be active in the transfer portal? Because he talked about developing a program. He talked about uh, developing guys that are going to be around Norman for three or four years. So there was a lot of uh, not necessarily pushback, but I think that there was some wonderment of how they are going to go about this. And then all of a sudden you look up and, uh, you know, you're about a year and a half into this now. And yeah, they, they hit the portal extremely hard and they needed to go get guys and the turnover that they've had from that final roster that, you know, I guess he quote unquote inherited and they played in the Alamo bowl with, there's only like five or six guys left from that team. And, uh, you know, it, it's just been kind of interesting how it's all come together, but yeah, they've been extremely active. They had to be. Uh, to to make the improvements that they need to do on both sides of the football. Um, and it's, it is it is going to be kind of interesting to see if that continues, if they continue to recruit at a high level, are they going to have to go? It's almost more out of a need right now uh, because there were so many guys. And it's, it's also kind of interesting, too, like the guys that have left the program, uh, whether it be from that 2020 class that was uh, one of Lincoln Riley's final classes in Norman, like there's barely any of those guys left in to be dead honest with you, outside of a Caleb Williams or somebody like that, who's obviously one of the greatest, you know, he might be the best quarterback to ever play college football. There is a feeling that, you know, you, you look at the guys and where they've gone 
There's a lot of Texas states. There's a lot of McNeese states. There aren't a whole lot of Power Five programs. You know, Latrell McCutcheon has now ended up went out to USC with uh, with Riley and those guys, and he's now over at Houston. So, um, you know, I, maybe that makes Oklahoma fans feel a little bit better at night, uh, knowing that the uh, evaluations probably weren't up to par of what they needed to be. But at the same time, there isn't an immediate need for guys, and they've gone out and they've identified quite a few. Uh, you know, of the of the transfer portal class that they just brought in, you damn sure better have eight or nine of those guys being in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. impact contributors next season or something has gone wrong and you know i i think that that's kind of the the scary portion of it but then again you look at the schedule and there's there's not a whole lot of losses that you can just go ahead and mark down and they were competitive in a lot of games outside of the tcu game the cotton bowl where they got their ass kicked uh without dylan gabriel so it's um it, again it, it it's it's certainly interesting for the aspect of what that win loss is going to be because the expectations are going to be high because there is an expectation that they get everything turned around uh, going into the second year under Brent Venables before the big move, before everything. You know, I think a lot of people feel like before everything really starts to get rolling as far as the quote unquote new world of college football that everybody would be living in. Now, Eddie, as we look at this 2023 schedule, Oklahoma opens up against Arkansas State, then has SMU at Tulsa, at Cincinnati, then Iowa State, of course, the Red River Shootout with Texas on October the 7th. Then you get a bye week, then UCF at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, West Virginia, at BYU, and TCU to close it out. Again, like you mentioned, the final year that both Oklahoma and Texas will be in the Big 12 and play a Big 12 schedule. So just talk about this 2023 schedule and how you feel it sets up for Oklahoma to have that bounce back season and year two of intervals that everybody's looking for. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think that you look at the non-conference and Oklahoma should be able to get through that. It is kind of exciting as far as, uh, you know, the SMU game. I, Georgia was on the schedule, which obviously got nixed when uh, the SEC stuff came out. But, uh, you know, it's a very favorable schedule for Oklahoma. And obviously, the Texas game is, you know, the one that everybody has circled in the first weekend of October down in Dallas. Uh, you know, the, the, the week after with the, or the after the bye week coming out of the bye week with uh central florida is going to be interesting just for the dylan gabriel aspect of what that is and uh kind of a reunion of sorts but um it's a favorable schedule like at the end of the day it's going to be nine and a half or ten is going to probably end up being the number in las vegas and i think that there's good reason to think that oklahoma feels pretty confident about it the the interesting quirk in the schedule on the back end is the short turnaround with no uh in at the end of november with byu 
that a first for everybody going out to Provo, which is kind of interesting. And then, uh, you know, you have that quick turnaround playing on Thanksgiving Friday against TCU, a team that, uh, you know, was obviously the surprise team in the country last year, making it to the national championship game. So uh, it's a favorable schedule. Like I'm, I'm not, I, I feel like such a huge ass Homer sitting here. And like, I think we did our uh, win loss breakdown on, on three. And it was like, I, I sat there. I, I legitimately sat there looking for ways that they could lose some of these games and it's hard not to get to nine or 10 wins. And I think that that's why the barometer is going to be up there. That's why uh, the expectations are going to be there because you should be heading to Dallas undefeated. I mean, that that's, that it is what it is. Uh, and you know, if, if they're not, you know, obviously there's going to be some, some early heat on Brent Venables and company. And uh, there will be a lot of, uh, a lot of angry people uh, at the state fair of Texas on that Saturday morning. If things don't uh, go better than they did a year ago with 49, nothing loss that, you know, I, that Oklahoma's been on the right side of that so many times. I don't think that there was a whole lot of people that knew how to uh, how to really handle uh, the lack of success down at the Cotton Bowl. So um, it it it's it is interesting that it you feel like the schedule sets up for them to have a good bounce back year. Uh, they just have to go out and make plays. They have to be better on both sides of the football. And uh, you know, it it truly came down to those four or five games that they lost at the end of the year. If you just win two of them. And I think that narrative surrounding Brent Venable's first year is so much different, but because it was, uh, you know, historically one of the worst seasons in Oklahoma football in the last, you know, 20, 25 years, it had to be talked about because you finished under 500. Uh, you know, it, as I, I guess, as crazy as it might sound, like one of their best games of the year was probably a game that they lost down at the cheese up bowl with a roster that was very incomplete with all the guys that were sitting out. So, uh, that's why there's hope for the season. That's why there's hope moving forward. You just got to get there. You got to be able to go do it on Saturdays or nobody's going to care around here really what the excuse is. Eddie, in closing, as the transition to the SEC looms, how much more importance does it put on this season, again, to have that bounce back year, knowing that you need that positive momentum going into SEC play in 2024, and it simply put, gets no easier for Oklahoma moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't want to say mandatory, but it is pivotal and it is extremely important that they build some momentum uh, going into, uh, you know, the, the new world that will be the SEC. And I think that, you know, this is something that in a move that Oklahoma fans have been excited about since, uh, you know, it got leaked way back in uh, about this time last year, as far as, uh, you know, which way the, or a couple years ago, which way this thing was going to go. And, uh, you know, I. I don't probably have to tell you this, but the Oklahoma fan base feels like uh, their passion of uh, for, for the sport of college football, for college athletics as a whole, certainly matches up with uh, the rabid fan bases that are in the SEC. So it's it's kind of exciting, but at the same time, there has to be improvement, or you're going to be entering a 2024 year where uh, you know there will be rumors and there will be uh, things swirling about the program. Uh, that you probably just don't want as an added uh, distraction to what is already going to be an extremely, extremely tough ask. Eddie, last thing before we get you out of here, after the 49 to nothing shellacking a season ago, is it fair to call that Texas game the most important game of this season for Brent Minables? It, I, both teams could be 0-11. and I think that they would both be saying that it's the most important game. It's one of the funnest, you know, most fun experiences that you can have as a, as a college football fan. I would, I would highly implore anybody if uh, they, they love the sport of college football, get down to the state fair of Texas in the first or second weekend of October. It's just, there's, there's truly nothing anything like it. 
Eddie Radosevich, Soonerscoop.com. Eddie, let everybody know where they can check out your work. Yeah, Soonerscoop.com uh, with the On3 Network. And then, obviously, I'm uh, banging around out there on uh, social media, E-D-D-I-E underscore R-A-D-O on Twitter. So, sorry if anybody signs up for that. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Eddie, I appreciate it, man. And looking forward Absolutely. to Oklahoma joining the SEC and having many more of these conversations, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Sounds good. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime.